0: Welcome back to the business of biotech. I'm Matt Piller, and I'm here in the Life Science Connect Studios with none other than the beast of the biotech budget, the ruler of the cash runway, the Maven of the capital markets, my friend Alan Shaw. Alan, how you doing? I'm
1: doing doing well. Thank you for that uh windup. I feel like I should be saying something as equally complimentary
0: back. <laughs> There's nothing to say. Nothing to say. You know, uh, We're marking a milestone today. Alan, do you know what the milestone is today? I've heard through the
1: grapevine that it's, uh, it's the hundredth episode of the business of biotech.
0: 100 episodes. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it?
1: Where has the time done gone? And, and, um, and congratulations! You know, given that we're always focused on milestones, it's it's uh, it's it's really nice to have a positive one. Uh, I, I don't know if you'll trade up today, but it it'll be it's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I I hope so. I hope we I hope our numbers trade up. Uh, and that's I, I gotta I gotta applaud your segue there because we're gonna we're gonna talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about trading up and and trading down as it were uh, in today's discussion. Uh, but before we get into it, I gotta thank you. I mean, I have to thank you. You know, when I reflect for a minute on this podcast, uh, I started this thing two years ago. It was just just over two years ago when this episode drops, and uh, it was it was just sort of an experiment. You know, it was an experiment because I was brand new to the space, and I and I and and I knew that the the best way for me to learn this space was to spend time talking with people who are innovating in the space, new and emerging biopharma leaders who are innovating in the space. And then we thought, you know what, if I'm going to do that and, and ask those people questions, there's probably a, a, a big universe of people out there who would be interested in coming along for the ride. So why not? Why not put it in podcast form? So we, we said, you know what, let's do this, right? Like fearlessly, let's let's just go do this. Uh, let people listen in on Matt's uh, inquisition, sometimes naive and, and uninformed inquisition of people who have been in the space for a long time. And Alan, you know, you were my first very first guest uh, you helped me kick this thing off. you've been on the show 12 times now uh subsequently I know at one point we talked about like hey let's let's do this monthly and then man the runway just gets long I we get you know just jammed up with with guests uh, but but I've managed to get you to come back and, and spend time with me 12 times now um you know I I just I just want to thank you I mean your your episodes look I like you. the audience likes you. And you're really good for ratings. So thank you.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh And I'm going to certainly share that little uh, bit with my mom. I think that'll certainly make her day. So thank you for that as well. It's been, it's been fun, you know, When we embarked on this, uh, you know, as you said, it was an experiment and I've been really, uh, I've enjoyed the, um, the collegial nature of the activities and being part of uh, the journey that you've embarked on and look forward to continuing the ride.
0: Yeah. Well, good. I'll send you, I'll send you a snapshot of the stats so that you can prove to your mother that this is a, uh, you know, that, that you've, you've, you've made a name for yourself among, among the audience.
1: And I appreciate that. I, I, it's funny. I tell my family, you guys may not want to listen to me, but apparently other people do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they, do. they do. They do. They tune in. Um, yeah. And part of, you know, part of the reason they tune in specifically to Alan Shaw episodes is because you've got, a, you know, a lengthy and a unique uh, perspective on the space. And, um, you know, just kind of move into this this conversation that we're going to have today. Since we launched two years ago, you know, the the roller coaster ride that that is the biotech space, uh, it's been a wild one for me being new to it a couple of years ago and and now kind of seeing the ups and the downs you know, the, the, just the wild ride that we've seen, particularly in the last 12 months um, makes me curious, not having historical perspective. It makes me curious about yours, your perspective on what's going on on this wild ride over the past 12, 18, 24 months. If you want to go back to when times were, you know, good and we were flying high, how does that kind of relate to the 20 plus years prior that you've spent in the space, what kind of cycles like this have you seen before? Give us some, some kind of historical perspective.
1: You know, it, it's interesting when you reflect on these things, you know, it's, it's like platform shoes, you know, things go in and out of uh, season and it's, it's certainly very cyclical and we've certainly had a, a prolific cycle, you know, it's almost like the economy, you know, we've had a, a really wonderful decade, uh, as an industry, and as, as we've referenced in the past, if you go back prior to that, you know, it was Death Valley, you know, you couldn't do deals at, at, at all. And there's been a lot written about what needed to be done in order to sponsor that. And um, the people's memories are short. And you know, I, I would say, you know, if you look over more recent times, um, you know, it's it's kind of feels like the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, we've certainly had and continue to have, I'd say, the golden age of, of, of biotech, you know, I think, you know, we're on the precipice of incredible innovation, um, and I still think we're scratching the surface with where we can go and what we can do in terms of impacting patients in terms of med- medical needs and, and making significant step improvements over, over what the current standard of cares are, care is uh, the, these days. So I think that that part of it is great. And I think there's still general interest and a lot of money for that. Um, but I think, like a lot of things, I think as a society, we always seem to do things to the excess, and then un- until we break it. And I, I think you know what, what we're seeing right now is it just a byproduct of that? Uh, the pendulum, you know, as a f- good friend of mine has said, and I may have spoke this before, but the pendulum never stops in the middle. And you know, we've had good times. Now we- we're now into bad times, and it's it's probably needed. You know, it's like medicine. Sometimes it doesn't taste so good. But for us to for this to function right, you know, you need you need you need to kind of weed yourself off of some of the excessiveness of that. And and when you step back, money was free. Uh, And and because of that, that that fueled this and it fueled the proliferation and the excessiveness. And now I, I guess we're going on a diet, you know, or it's the hangover after the party, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we talk about this con, you know, this, this idea of, um, the sentiment towards the biotech industry, you know, you, you shared some data with me recently that kind of charts the decline in biotech sentiment. And, the, and that word is, is the word used in the report over the last year. And I I, I want to try to put some hands around that, you know, try to put some fingers around that and understand what the drivers of biotech sentiment are and and what they mean. So how how do you know how do analysts measure sentiment in this industry? What are the I guess hallmarks of general sentiment toward the biotech industry?
1: Well I think I think you can go a lot of different places and I think there's a lot of different drivers of sentiment. Uh, I think if you take this a step back, it's money, right? It's the flow of money. Uh, and and right now there aren't buyers. So, you know, as as a, as a leading metric, we're seeing um, uh, really the top, you know, if you use an analogy, you know, this tide was high. Now the tide is low and the tide is going out and the flow of funds are going out and there's just less people interested in, in biotech and, and life science in general. And I think you've seen that as a rotation in assets and it's driven by macro macro affa- events as well. Um, but I also think that, you know, things that <clears throat> that we as an industry can control, we can't control some of the macro, right? We can't control Ukraine. We can't control interest rates, which I think is actually much more fundamental. They have effectively doubled since the beginning of the year. Um, and, you know, as I've often said before, you know, interest rates are uh is the canary in the coal mine, you know, once those things start to go up, people can get returns with a lot less risk. And so there's a mentality on risk. And when you think about risk, we have already have an industry that has uh, an incredible level of uh, of attrition, failure at, from a get go. And when you when you start to see things that kind of suggest an increase in those industrial jeopardies, um Uh, albeit regulatory, where the FDA is certainly seems to be becoming a little sterner, Uh, even recent action right now in terms of kind of uh, enforcing and putting more teeth and hurdles in terms of accelerated approvals, I think are, um, you know, exhibits of that type of environment. But I think, uh, you know, further to that, you know, I think we're also seeing a lot of uh, negative sentiment being generated just based on the industry's execution yeah. and, and that's manifesting itself in what I would say a, a much higher level of negative trial uh, data.
0: Yeah. I want to I back up to something you mentioned around macro events. That's And I was going to save this question for later, but I'm going to ask you now because you brought up the macro event, um, I guess, uh, effect. And yeah, to your point, like Ukraine interest rates like things that are certainly out of our control but there was a macro event two years ago that um on the heels of that macro event biopharma industry was god we were the heroes right like we made miracles happen global uh, global miracles in response to the pandemic what happened to that why? What? You know? How? You know? Everybody was like, you know, the, every everybody acknowledged that this was a shining moment for you know, if you take the greater pharmaceutical industry as a whole into account, it was a shining moment for an industry that's uh, on many fronts loathed by <laughs> by the public. Um, so, what happened to that as a catalyst to uh, you know to good times, to to sunshine and roses?
1: You know, I guess it hits the whole cliche of uh, buy on the news, uh, buy, buy, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Uh, you know, I think we we kind of all benefited during that period of time leading to the pinnacle uh, of, of the vaccine. I think in that look at Moderna stock, it certainly took t- t- the ride. Uh, still in a much better place than it ever has been, but it certainly uh it it was a ride. So I I think some of it was a simple asset allocation, right? Uh, Part of it is, you know, as we said earlier, you know, people, people's memories are generally pretty short. Um, And also, it's kind of in that that spirit and vain, what have you done for me lately? And, and, you know, right now, when you start looking at I would call it self-inflicted wound, wounds and injuries. And, that, and that's, you know, our, our execution. You know, why are the studies uh, being negative? And, and I think the dynamics have created a further set of dominoes so that even when uh, there's good news, you know, people are using that as an opportunity to sell they're saying you know this is it's it's so hard to sell there's so limited buyers that if if i'm going to sell myself out of a position i I need to do it when on a day that there's volume so when a day somebody puts out good news uh there's buyers but there's corresponding sellers that kind of stifle it out so the reaction is very muted and then that becomes very frustrating for for companies because uh, and again, going back to something we said earlier that they're still not necessarily um, attuned with where they are in terms of the evaluation perspective. Everyone thinks that you know, I'm going to run my gas tank down, I'm going to be able to turn over cards, and then I'll be able to raise money. And then the sad reality is that they take an unreasonable amount of risk you know i'm not sure if that's the right way to run a business uh you know you should be always maintain adequate cash flow whether whether you have data coming or 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 not um uh for for all the obvious reasons so you know i think i think that makes it harder because then people you know they're they're, even if it's playing a risky capital um strategy approach uh i think it, they're not going to even get the benefit of taking that that ill-conceived risk because at the end of the day they're going to wind up issuing stock at, a, at at levels that they previously wished they uh, didn't have to have to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to uh, stick on the the negative news events uh, point for a minute. Um, you mentioned you know that uh, a proliferation of of negative news events kind of kind of keep things tamped down. Um, if you step back and and look at the volume of negative news events, and what, and, what, and and first, I, I guess I'd clarify by negative news events, we're talking and and help me add to this list, uh, negative da- data readouts, right? Like bad bad data readouts. We're talking, uh, you know, bad news from regulatory agencies, perhaps holds uh, and so forth. W- what else maybe constitutes a negative news event that affects biotech sentiment? And anything. I- uh, I, th- I
1: think you, 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 you have captured the essence of negative news. It's really, you know, a clinical setback yeah. uh, and that could be, you know, efficacy, safety, the FDA putting a clinical hold on. Um, there could be manufacturing issues as well. This could be a whole lots of reasons, but I think you nailed it.
0: What, what, uh, so if you look at this, if, if you, let's say that for, you know, for, for the, Sake of this conversation, we're going to acknowledge that there's a a a trend, like that we're noticing a trend that there seems to be more uh, negative news. And you step back and you look at it, um, can you put your finger on a cause, a reason? Generally, I know it's a it's a super general question, and and uh, you you know we can't analyze every every uh, every biotech that's putting news out there. But do you see any general trends around what's driving negative news events? i can
1: certainly take a swag at it right i don't think i think no I
0: don't one's think gonna that. hold you to it i mean you know
1: now i i i appreciate that you know i think it's kind of like art oh, you know i think you're gonna if you hold people you're gonna get different perspectives from people mm-hmm. on it you know for what my two cents are worth i think it's a confluence confluence of things um certainly i think it, it starts with the number of companies that we've had. But I think it even starts back with some of the macro things that we were seeing about the flow of money. And you know, it was so available, it was almost free in many respects. So that that really, that was the fertilizer that you needed to create the companies at at the end of the day. And, And with that, we've seen really an unbelievable proliferation as we've talked on. So I think when you have loose capital allocation, Uh, coupled with what I would say brain drain, you know, you needed to populate all these companies. And I don't think we necessarily had people who had seen it and done it doing these things. So I think you, you're increasing the, uh, risk of difficulty and execution with all of that. Um, and I think that, that couple poor allocation and experienced people, uh, couple with money being put to work, you got it, we're giving you money to do things, right? There's pressure to, to spend that money, right? If you're not ex, you know, if you're not spending you're not executing, you know, but you know, you know, if you make a wrong turn, and you keep going down that road, it's still a wrong turn.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so you know, I think that will lead to what I would call poor investments, poor capital allocations, uh, that were not cost effective uh which resulted in also higher burn rates too i think one of the things that we're seeing now <laughs> that adds to the negative news flow i hadn't even considered it but it, it's that you all know, what you're hearing now is companies that are laying people off right mm-hmm. they're dialing it back uh because they did get in front of their skis way way too much right now
0: yeah 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 it's a you know it's a, that's an interesting dilemma laying people off and you just acknowledge that you know there's uh, a lot of cases out there where there's not the expertise probably in the c-suite but the expertise and the leadership and the and the veteran status that it takes to you know create better outcomes and and i want to ask you another question about that do you think um you know i mean you 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 analyze uh in in your daily work like you spend a lot of time paying attention to the science behind candidates uh you know the people behind candidates the jockeys you like to say that are uh, you know riding those horses do you think that generally um in, in 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 any cases in many cases uh that there's good there's good science maybe there's good there are good candidates there are good projects out there that may have had a better chance may have fared better may have avoided that clinical hold had they been Jockeyed by veteran leadership, veteran chief regulatory officers, veteran CEOs.
1: No, 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 no question that do we that we would ha- that would help. That would be a contributing factor, right? If you tie two st- two rocks together, you know, it's, it may still not float, but it, it still right. You know, but it, I, I would say that if you if you've got if you've got the right f- folks involved, you know, the likelihood of of doing things incorrectly, um, making sure that you've done your preclinical work, that you've asked all the important questions before you've put it into the clinic. I, I, I mean, I, I've seen, I've observed organizations feeling the pressure that they need to put things into a clinic. And, you know, I think there's situations and I'm not saying a lot of people are doing it, but there are certainly instances of people throwing things over the wall because they need to. uh, And you don't have necessarily button things down. Um, I think younger companies um, have a tendency to 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 be a little loose with a lot of the early preclinical IND type of stuff that you need to do to get your drug approved at the end of the day not necessarily for an ind but you know those things do provide information they do help inform um and certainly companies certainly could skip some of those spots some of those uh, parallel tests in the interest of time Mm -hmm. also you know i'm not sure How many companies conferred with the FDA, you know, it'd be interesting to understand how many people had regular interaction with the FDA versus those who got clinical holds and whether or not, you know, it was because they didn't touch base with the FDA and, um, you know, understand what, what, what was expected.
0: Yeah. Well, since you brought the FDA up, a couple of questions around the clinical hold phenomenon that we're seeing. Um, If you want to call it a phenomenon, clinical holds are trending up as we've ascertained. Um, First, give us a give us an explanation. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe for those of us who are are relatively new to the space and aren't intimately familiar with clinical holds and what they mean, uh, you know, what are they and and what's their impact uh, on sector sentiment?
1: A clinical hold is uh, is, is something that's issued by the FDA uh, to the sponsor of a clinical trial. And it's a delay, really, uh, generally associated with safety, toxicity, um, and and some concern uh, around that. You know, uh, it could be related to simply a, a side effect that there's a concern about, something that's been associated with a patient death, Uh, That sometimes happens to better understand whether the death was related to the drug, whether it was related to a comorbidity or something else that could be related that you need to better understand. Um, So those would be some of the uh, things that would be associated with with a clinical hold.
0: When you're striving to excel in a new arena, the best guides are the ones already doing it well. The business of biotech brings those voices forward to help new and emerging biopharmas turn their innovations, like mRNA and cell and gene therapies, into clinical realities. Tune in and subscribe for insights on hiring, regulatory, and other need-to-know topics for biopharma leaders. The podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Cytiva. Check out their resources at citiva.com backslash emerging biotech. That's cytiva.com dot com backslash Emerging Biotech. And, you know, you, so we've already covered, you know, maybe some of the potential sponsor uh, factors on the sponsor side that are contributing to uh, an increase in, in clinical holds. But I'm curious about your take on um, the FDA's role or impact. Uh, on clinical holds, you know, are, is, is that a variable? You know, there's new leadership at the, at the FDA. We're coming off of a, an unprecedented, uh, you know, 12 months in history where the FDA was issuing emergency youth authorization, probably at a rate uh, that, that they hadn't seen before. Right. Like it was a, it was a tumultuous time for the agency, for an already, already stressed agency. Does that impact, like you, you mentioned, you know, you use the pendulum, Pendulum analogy is there a pendulum at the at the FDA perhaps to any degree that contributes to this uh, this this whole scenario that we're seeing right now?
1: Uh, it's definitely a factor. You know, I think you know you talk about sentiment earlier. You know, I think the FDA has now introduced a level of risk that was previously not not necessarily considered or viewed to be there. Um, Also, I think the reason the seat was open in my view for as long as it was before it was filled was because I think there was a little bit of a debate that was going on behind the scenes behind what was the posture of the new FDA commissioner. And I think there was a sensitivity about them being too cozy to big pharma or biotech or the industry, I guess is the better way of looking at it these days. Uh, So I think that, you know, I think that 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 is the bias, uh, I think, going into this. So I and I think, you know, the the debate around accelerated uh, uh, approvals uh, and the commitments and the enforcement thereafter thereafter, I think, speaks to that sentiment in in many regards. Uh, I do think that you have to look at you got to peel the onion a little bit you know for instance about 40 percent of the clinical holds in the industry recently were related to gene and cell therapy mm-hmm. so you know i think that's that's proliferated and that modality is new and that's i you know there's more, as many questions as there are answers it's probably a lot more questions than there are answers actually mm-hmm. and i think people are just being careful there uh, particularly when there's concerns around durability and, and, and other 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 uh, safety
0: for sure and, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and yeah and these lives some of these earlier therapies are one and done so you know if you you know and it precludes being able to do something else down the road so you know there there's this other considerations there um so i think you know i i don't know how to uh read the tea leaves but i think it's a risk that i don't see necessarily going away in terms of the spirit of uh sentiment you know i think it'll be a little bit of a uh, driver and when you look at the industry uh you know i think we as an industry need to really work on the risk reward and biotap to improve you know uh i think you know people and when, once you demonstrate the risk reward, you know, I think you will see things that that will be a big driver in, in sentiment at the end of the day, you know, people, people react to two things emotionally, right? Fear and greed. And right, right now they're, uh, they're reacting to the fear of losing their money. And, and, uh, once you show them that there's an opportunity to make, uh, good returns, the greed factor will, uh, will bring them back to the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the greed factor. Does that greed factor, though, especially in the context of uh, you know regulatory scrutiny? Uh, does that lead to a, a, a level of risk aversion that stifles innovation? I ask that question because you know it occurs to me that hey, if I'm if if I'm cognizant of the fact that you know the FDA's job is safety, 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 and then you know a little bit of efficacy, um, and, and I know that my gene or cell candidate, for instance, has, uh, a, a lot of risk around it from a, 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 safety profile perspective, you know, maybe I take another look at that monoclonal antibody or that small molecule, because I'm thinking, you know, safer bet, maybe less innovative, maybe, you know, may, maybe less potential for, uh, for, for breakthrough, um, impact. Um, so, so I guess, you know, get back to the question, does, does that, uh, it, if that pendulum swings too far, can it stifle risky innovation that, you know, risky innovation can be a can be a positive uh, as well. It can, you know, it, it feeds the space.
1: And that's, a, you know, that's a good point that you raise. You know, I, I would say, you know, we you could argue a little bit is that are we a victim of innovation and pushing the envelope a little bit too too hard and too fast? Yeah. Um, and, and You know, that's definitely a contributing factor too. you know, when when you when you have an easier flow of capital and you've got companies going out that are preclinical, you know, you're selling dreams. Right. Uh, So, you know, I I certainly think that, you know, you could be well, well, well ahead of yourself on 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 that. And I think if you look at some of the company stocks out there, the companies that sold those dreams, yeah. you know they' they are penny stocks at, the, at, the, at, the, at, at these moments uh, and that speaks to the fact that you know the science wasn't there yet. you know and, and I think you see that with new modalities, right? This is not new. Anytime you introduce a new modality, you know it, it has a high high hurdles to prove the merit as a therapeutic class. You know, I mean, I think RNAI, again, is a great, a classical example of that. It was 20 years in the desert, uh, you know, and that, that speaks to the cycle. You know, it was in and out, you know, late 90s, early 2000. It was the flavor of the day. You roll the clock 10 years later and you're persona grata, and grata, 10 years. And, you know, it's it's a promising modality and we just scratched the surface.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So, you know, I think all of these things are great. You know, I I would also say in this environment where uh, capital is king, that the um, the cell and gene therapies are very hard for small companies to take on just because the cost cost of the drug supply, the drug materials. Um, And, you know, every batch, every one that you run is dear. And, and, you know, as we know, that doesn't always work the first time. So you need to be able to uh, to do that. Uh, so it's tough. It's I, I, in my view, it's a little bit of a big boy sport, but it's but I think the innovation comes from the small companies. You just need to I think, go back to other things that we've said, collaborate um, and again, know what you know and know what you don't know. And I think, you know, a little bit of the brain drain and a little bit of what's been going on is that people, great people smart people, but they don't necessarily have the seen it, done it, uh, know what good looks like experience. And, you know, as our mutual friend, uh, Ian Walters often says, you know, um, you know, picking the right thing to do is 20% of the battle. 80% is figuring out what to do and it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great segue to my next question, because Ian and I, you know, have, have had that conversation. Like we, we, you know, we, we, we recently had that conversation and we spent a lot of time talking about it. And, uh, you know, one of the things he talked to me about was what it's like, you know, the, the loneliness of being a CEO answering to uh, investors when your when your stock's getting battered. Um, stock performance uh, is 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 a, a readout. Right. That affects sentiment as well. It can snowball if things are if things are bad. It can snowball because it's a it's a bet. Look, everyone's getting the same look, so I'm I'm not offending anyone by saying this, but it's a it's a bad look. Um, but how how important is that? Uh, how important everybody's you know everybody everyone's concerned about it in the C-suite, but how important is it in the long run? And what's decelerating it?
1: Um, you know, I think you got to focus on on execution and not let factors like that uh impact your day-to-day because when you see it on a day-to-day basis it you know you you can view it as your report card right every day this is your report card but you know if you're doing something that you believe in you know you have confidence in what you're doing mm-hmm. you're really you're you've got information that no one else does <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and i think you got to be true to your conviction and you know and i think you got to tr- be, you know, ask the important questions and kill things because time's the enemy. And I think it's not, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to buy for time to see if, and, and you know, you can lay off your staff and I, you know, and it asks the, begs the question, why did you hire him in the first place? You know, I think you need, you need to uh, be focused on execution leanly and, and 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 make sure you're funded to something. I think what people need to consider, and I see this is the biggest risk, um, Look, looking out um, is that people underestimated what they needed to run their business. And you know, they were just grabbing money indiscriminately. And now there's an issue is are you funded to any point? Or uh, And you know, as we all know, things generally cost more money, and they take longer. So you know, there's there's not a lot of room for error in, in that kind of environment. Uh, in that kind of reality, you really do. I think people are doing high wire acts without a safety net
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: under them. And so, I think it's really important to not only capitalize yourself to your inflection points, your milestones. Going back to milestones, um, but you you need to be able to go beyond it a little bit too. I think for a couple of reasons. One is you you need to be able to um, in, in case the uh, the experiment doesn't work. You know, you can't, you you know, you can't, you can't be just totally desperate. You don't want to put yourself in that position of desperation if you can help it. And then secondly, I think people now, and we've touched on it before that when you do have positive data, you know, people immediately expect that you're going to be coming to the capital markets. So people are kind of shorting you in advance. They're, they're expecting the cover. Um, And you're not, and and people people who have positions are saying, okay, I'm just going to trade on this uh, and get out, because now this is a day of liquidity. So I I, I think because of that, you just need to be very mindful of of managing your cash and and investing, really investing in the right stuff and making sure that, you know, the translational work is done, that, you know, you know, yeah, lung cancer is a great market, but have you done the experiments necessarily to inform the likelihood of the outcome? you know, when money was rolling around and the punch bowl was out there with a very low cost of capital, people were less disciplined and had bigger dreams, you know, bigger dreams and less discipline is just not a good combination.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: Well said. Uh, y- so you've alluded to, uh, to to some answers to this next question I want to ask you, but if, if you could kind of help, help crystallize um, what the uh, leaders of, of biopharma can do tactically, strategically should do in the face of bearish market sentiment. Um, you know, and, and, a lot of what you, what you said is like, uh, you know, good, good business practice for, um, you know, sheltering from, from bearish market sentiment or be, being prepared for it. Um, when faced with it, though, I mean, do you have advice like around ta- tactics or strategy, or is is there any? You know, write write it out, man. I don't know. I
1: mean, you know, it's you know, no. I think there's there's both ways that one should think about uh, spending what limited gas you have in your tank and be very. Uh, Uh, prudent and thoughtful about it in terms of how you dole it out. I mean, uh, arguably, you should always be doing that, right? But I I think human nature, we know what human nature is. Um, And I think whether you're you're loaded, because a lot of companies are trading in cash, but they could have a couple of hundred million dollars on their balance sheet. Uh, You know, people aren't getting rewarded for their technology. And I think that's I think you have to think about yourself, what do you need to do to demonstrate that there's value in your technology? And and I think the days of selling dreams are over. So you know, you know, it's really all about data, you know, we've said this before, in God, we trust in data, we believe. Um, So I I think it's really for what people can do, I think it requires renewed stringency, uh, and more discipline, to bring really higher quality products to the public. over over time. And I think in order to do that, I think there's a level of focus. You can't be everything to everybody. You know, I think people, you know, you know, they're like, like our kids, you know, they say, I want this, 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 and this, but you know, our, our, our our stomachs are bigger than our, our our eyes are bigger than our bellies at the end of the day. And and I think that there needs to be more, more general focus. And, And I think with that, you can manage your cash burn. And I think the expenses that you need to do need to be gated you don't want to get too much in front of your skis uh because i realized that like manufacturing is a great example you know there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of tension that you need manufacturing slots those those spots of gear and can be a real rate limiting uh gating factor in terms of getting things done so people sometimes put a lot of money at risk there prior to even having any sort of data so uh, preclinical or anything so you know you, you need you Need to be thoughtful about different steps of de-risking before you put money at risk, and being mindful of what that is, and and to the extent you can gate that until you can de-risk it somewhere else, uh, would be, would also be my, my my humble suggestion.
0: Yeah, excellent, good stuff. Um, I want to ask you as we get into um, sort of the the spring early summer trade show and conference season. Can we anticipate uh, any any bounces, any blips on the radar in terms of positive sentiment? You know, positive news coming out. Yeah, we've got AACR just happened. Uh, bios coming up here. I think Bio will have happened by the time this episode drops. But uh, that's on the radar. ASCO, ISPE, Biotech, uh, any number of upcoming shows and conferences. Do they have an impact? Are they an opportunity for the biotech leaders who are going to go there and, and, and present uh, to make an impact? And, and to what end? Uh,
1: totally, totally. I think, though, these, op- these these events have generally proven to be op- platforms and opportunities uh, for people to really kind of pull the covers off and, and talk about uh, data and, and what the company has done, Um so uh, I'm looking forward to ASCO. Uh, we are coming out of AACR, so I think you know that may may require us to temper our expectations uh, of how the events will, will will do in terms of driving sentiment. You know, uh, you know, this morning, for instance, I, I was looking at a, a tweet from Brad Longcar and I'll read it to you. And it really tell, tells you what the sentiment coming out of AACR was. Um, According to Brad, the big winner of AACR is a four-dollar stock that's currently up twenty-four cents. That's straight up depressing. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that's not what I was hoping you'd say, Alan. But no, <laughs> no I, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting though. You would think that. So, so you would think that. You know, I'm I'm going to be doing some traveling this uh, this spring and early summer for the first time and in, in a long time, right? And and so so are a lot of other people. Um, as these events start to open back up to you know, in-person in traffic and attendance again, uh, you would think that maybe they would hold, I don't know, the the fact that we've been uh, pent up for so long and now things are coming back a bit, you think they would pack a little bit more punch? I, I don't, you
1: know, I think there's interest. You know, I'm not sure if it's a matter of interest. I think it's really more going back to, you know, how you frame things earlier, sentiment. And, you know, if we execute, you know, if we as an industry, you know, had exciting news, you know, I would look at, you know, news coming out for TIGIT, other things like that to show that, you know, you know, oncology, you know, some of these new classes of, of drugs will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those, those those things are all, all helpful. If you have other a, a continued failure, that's going to be disappointing and it'll, again, people will sell on the good news. If we if we can, uh, you know, s- squeeze the shots and and change the sentiment and the tenor a little bit by putting a string, you know, let's use baseball, a few base hits together, you know, uh, and, and just get a little bit of a rally going. Uh, you know, I think you get people to pay closer attention. I think there's general view that we're at incredible value levels right now, uh, mm-hmm. as an industry uh, valuations have compressed. I don't think as we've talked on, I don't think people who run companies necessarily are all with that on that hymn sheet. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you show a drug that works the value is there right you know if you can show somebody that's gone pdl uh negative to pdl positive you know you've just doubled the checkpoint market so you know i think things will happen when you can do something like that that's that's meaningful uh, yeah. right now, unfortunately i don't think in 2022 we have been able to as an industry really to turn, do much in that respect that's turned heads that's wooed that's that's made a meaningful um impact and i think that's that's working against us and that's coming off of the 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 wonderful negative momentum we had coming out of 21. so we just need to change the tenor so i think if we those are all great platforms these conferences but you know we we need we need to be singing a different tune (laughs)
0: do you uh, I'll ask you one more question on this and then we'll wrap things up do you um, I'm not going to ask you to you know n- name names or, or get specific but knowing knowing what you know and, and looking at who you look at and studying what you study uh, do, you, do you anticipate any of that uh, positivity do you see opportunities for that tenor to change uh, in in the in the short term you know in within within the year let's say?
1: You know I I I definitely do I'm a believer uh you know I I, I everything can't be negative <laughs> 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 just can't You flip a coin it's got to come up heads eventually so you know uh i i and i think there is good science being done i think there's really the right kinds of work being done i think it's just a little perhaps uh drowned out a little bit based on again of the volume that we brought to the party right now so i think uh and i think I think it's like a ball that bounces off the table and won't bounce as high. It'll keep bouncing, just not as high. So, once some of the some of the noise dissipates, uh, you know, uh, you know, the cream always rises to the surface. So, I think there's plenty of cream out there. And I think it's a great opportunity and it's just a matter of being good stewards right now with your cash, uh, you know, to manage manage through this storm. Um, You know, going back to what you said earlier, you know, over the years, you know, there's been good times and there's bad times. And I think that the folks that have been able to see both sides of that have been able to navigate through the bad times. And this is really everyone's true test and the true metal of everybody. You know, do smart things, you know you know, what I like to tell people when you're, when you're allocating scarce resources, would you do this with your own money? Mm-hmm. You know, if you wouldn't do it with your own money. Then you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, in my, in my, in my view. So be smart about it and don't take your investors for granted.
0: That's a good note to end on Alan. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thanks for joining me for this conversation. Thank you for joining me for, for, uh, many of the conversations over the past hundred episodes and, uh, being, being an ally, um, we're going to move forward and I'm, I'm I'm going to have you on a whole bunch more over the next over the course of the next hundred episodes.
1: I ah, look looking forward to it and looking forward to episode
0: 200. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll be there with me and you'll have taught me double what you've taught me so far. Thank you for the education along the way.
1: Yeah, it's been fun and it's been fun to have the support of everybody and those who walk their dogs and whatever, whoever, whenever you're listening. But uh, I appreciate the feedback and uh, and it's been fun and, and definitely to be continued.
0: Yeah. There's on that note, there's nothing more fun than getting mail from folks who are like, you know, you're my treadmill. You're my, you're my dog walk. You're my commute. Your, your voice, you know, I, I equate your voice with these things. It's fun to hear.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So that's Alan Shaw. I'm Matt Piller. And you just listened to the hundredth episode of the business of biotech. Thanks for coming along for the ride and don't go anywhere because there's lots more to come. We're produced by Bioprocess Online, and we're very thankful for the longstanding support from Scitiva. Check Scitiva out at citiva.com backslash emerging biotech for a library of multimedia resources uh, to support your journey. Check us out at bioprocessonline.com, where bioprocessing innovators share fresh knowledge every day, and where I invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Finally, if you don't want to miss our next 100 episodes, subscribe to the pod, leave us a review, share us with your friends.